It's opening act time of the Scoop Podcast, episode 253, first debuting right here Friday night, September 6th on Score North, scorenorth.com, 1500 AM. There are many feel-good stories with the soon-to-be Central Division champion Minnesota Twins. One of them is 39-year-old Nelson Cruz. Heck, think about it. August 8th, we find out he has a ruptured tendon in his wrist. We think his season is over. Lo and behold, the next day, everything is A-OK. He's been great. He's maybe been been better since he ruptured that tendon in his wrist. He's been a phenomenal story all season long. 38 years old into 39 years old, turning 39 during the season. The Twins have a team option for next year. It's a foregone conclusion and absolute lock that the Twins will exercise that $12 million option. Then Nelson Cruz will be back next year, but there's some unfinished business when it comes to this year. How far can he help lead the Twins into October? Somebody who knows Nelson incredibly well is his agent of the last couple years. It is Bryce Dixon. Let's get some insight into Nelson Cruz from agent Bryce Dixon. Bryce, I appreciate you doing this. All right, let's go sequentially. Let's go back to, I guess it would have been late December. In fact, I think I was filling in on Score North 1500 AM here in the Twin Cities the day that you, that you and Nelson agreed to terms with the Twins. It was like, it was right after Christmas, like December, I don't know, 27th, 28th. But what was that time like November into December, past the winter meetings, past Christmas, just with free agency and flux, clearly you were talking to a lot of teams. I know the Twins, obviously. The Astros had some interest. Tampa had some interest. But what was that time like when you were trying to place where Nelson would ultimately end up? Well, to, talking a lot to the teams, like you said, November kind of kicked it kicked it off after the World Series uh, and kind of a month-long or so feeling out process until the, the winter meetings. And then uh, it ramped up. Uh, during the meetings and uh, after that. And then I guess the, the couple of weeks after the winter meetings then uh, really getting down, um, I guess, to the nuts and bolts with the, the other teams you mentioned and the, and the Twins and, and finally coming up with a, a number that was suitable for Nelson and for the Twins. And, yeah, it, I, it was slow moving in the beginning um, because the market as a whole – move slowly so we were um kind of in line with with how the market in general uh, i guess the pace was uh, for the entire market i mean even with the slow moving market price was it established early on whether it was derek falvey thad levine others from the twins reaching out to you maybe even as early as like right at the start of free agency that they were interested i don't I know they weren't the first ones to call, but I, they weren't soon after. I, I don't remember if it was like right as the bell rung. Uh, I, I don't think they were like night one, but I know during that first week, Thad was the one that reached out um, since he had the personal relationship with Nelson from Texas. So mm-hmm. he reached out early and, and let us know that there was interest there, um, which was uh, nice. And Nelson, uh, I think he even spoke with him early on. Thad had asked me permission if he could call Nelson and, and talk to him. And I said, of course. And, and they had, they spoke briefly over the phone in the beginning just so Thad could could uh, personally let him know, um, I guess, the level of interest that they had in him. All right, so Christmas approaches. You know, you're getting down to the nitty-gritty. Was it down to the Twins, the Astros, and the Rays? Did all three teams make offers? Yeah, they all made offers, um, and we we uh, got down that to that last, I guess, week and a half. All the teams uh, 
came with numbers and we we went back and forth with with each of them and then obviously the twins had the most attractive of, of the offers so he ended up um going going with them um but yeah we we talked numbers with with the other teams and in his type of market there wasn't a lot of hiding the ball on on my side or the team side there were um a finite number of teams looking for a dh um and they all knew who the other uh i guess the other suitors were so it was a fairly open process as far as free agency uh, or free agents go in my um experience Bryce just how about just the 2020 club option I mean was was that uber important did that put things over the top for the twins and why was that so important yeah the the club option came into play as Thad um tried to get more creative um when we were uh moving the the year one number north um and as it got higher um they were looking for concessions on our part and that came um in the form partially of that club option and normally you don't see an option for for uh less money than you see guaranteed in in year one but in nelson's case being 39 um the, it, you're i guess getting the guaranteed money uh in year one uh raised uh is important probably more important than it is for for younger players um so we we kind of uh, were able to move numbers around where they were protected uh, in their minds uh, by getting uh, a guaranteed salary, uh, uh, I guess a, a ceiling on the two years uh, if they chose to pick up year two. Um, so that's kind of how that that came in, into play. It was it was not a part of the discussion, I guess, in the first couple of phone calls. But as we uh, pushed for more money on year one, then it. It came into play. I mean, we talk about club option for next year, Bryce. It's a guaranteed second year, right? I mean, we could sit here and say, <laughs> I mean, unless something crazy happens, Bryce, Nelson Cruz is going to be a Minnesota twin next year for that club option of $12 million. I, as superstitious as I am and as he is, I would never uh, I would never guarantee it for fear of him, uh, him getting angry with me. But, uh, yeah, he's – He's put himself in a position that would make it uh, extremely difficult for the Twins to to not pick that up. Um, I'm, I, I I know the timing of it um, is such that you know they're, they're, it's not going to happen until the season ends. Uh, but uh, yeah, I I would bet on them picking up their option in this case. We're talking with Nelson Cruz's agent Bryce Dixon. Bryce, your relationship with Nelson goes back multiple years so you know him incredibly well how exactly do you explain what he's able to do at 39 years old he's he's an incredible student of the game always learning so on the mental aspect uh his approach uh is is sound and he knows uh the pitchers he's done his homework and then on the physical aspect uh in the offseason he he doesn't give. He gives him his body some time to recover, but once he gets back in into training, he's um, essentially doing two a days. Uh, he's going uh, to the gym that's at his house uh, in Dominican, uh, basically every single day, sometimes twice a day, and then he's hitting um, at the field that's near his house almost every day, and he's you know fluctuating uh, workouts 
day to day based off which day it is. But ever, I mean, by the time once he ramps it back up in the winter time, he's uh, doing uh, as much, if not more, than anybody that that I see training wise. So I think that's added to the longevity uh, of his career because he's able to to sustain, uh, I guess, the power that he's got throughout the entire season, even at his advanced age. I mean, we can talk on and on, Bryce, about all the production on the field, but I think he's been as valuable, and this might be a bold statement. There might be some people driving around right now saying, you're nuts, but I think he's been as valuable to the Twins, Bryce, off the field. You know, I think about his mentorship with with Miguel Sano, you know, having, going to the Twins and saying, make sure Miguel Sano's locker is right next to mine in the clubhouse. Heck, there's now a nap area at Target Field because of Nelson Cruz. And many guys in that clubhouse will say, hey, we didn't realize how important that was, but it's been something that they've mentioned as, you know, right now they're, what, 34, 35 games over 500, well on their way to the postseason, a big part or some part of them having a lot of success this year are these pregame naps that, that Nelson Cruz first implemented. So I'm just I'm thinking about just his leadership qualities have resonated so much through that clubhouse. As long as you've known him, has he always had those leadership qualities? Yes, great leader and uh, great clubhouse guy. Not only for, obviously, goes without saying, the Dominican guys and the Latin guys look up to him and he uh, leads by example. But he's uh, fully bilingual and, and gets along with uh, everybody uh, on every team that he's been on. So he is a good, I guess, uh, gap bridger, uh, if you will, between uh, the Latin club, side of the clubhouse and the American side and the young guys and the old guys. Uh, I think uh, he he's able to develop friendships with everybody and kind of bring everybody closer together and keep the atmosphere um, lighthearted when it needs to be uh, during the season because obviously the season in baseball is extremely long and there are times when um, you know teams and players get frustrated um, I know like Seeger last year was having uh, a horrible year and Cruz was constantly uh, with him and in his corner making sure that he was keeping his spirits up so he didn't kind of uh, let himself get too down during the slumps he was having last year. So, yeah, he he makes it a point to make everybody feel uh, included, and I think that's why he's so respected, and that's why the teams that he's on, um, uh, I guess, are cohesive um, units. You know what? You just brought up something that, that... – I didn't jot down just from a note standpoint, but it just hit me as you bring up Seager's name, Kyle Seager with the Mariners. Did it surprise mm-hmm. you that the Mariners let Nelson go, that they're, I don't know, I guess you can tell us how much dialogue there was, if there even was any dialogue, about extending his contract last year, but it certainly didn't seem like Seattle made much of an effort to keep him. Yeah, by by the middle to the end of last season, I I, I was kind of resigned to the fact that he wasn't, uh, coming back, and I, I believe he he Nelson felt the same way. the The Mariners had such a a great run in the beginning of the the season, um, and then as the season uh, went on and they fell out of contention, uh, it, it felt uh, very obvious that they were looking to um, kind of blow the team up, if you will, uh, and start over 
uh, as uh, on a rebuild. And at that point, it looked like Seeger because of his contract, and then Haniger um, because of his age uh, and his lower, his you know, low level of salary uh, for for his service time. It looked like they would probably be there, but anybody, everybody else. Uh, there, uh, from that old nucleus, um, looked like they were going to be on a on a new team soon. Um, and their general manager there has, you know, obviously has a uh, a quick trigger with trades. So trades started happening, and it it it, uh, it became pretty clear that they weren't going to be uh, paying Nelson to be the, the designated hitter on a free agent deal or an extension. I'll hit you with two more talking points. All right, August eighth. I mean, a lot of us were in the clubhouse, I believe it was the next day. In fact, I ended up talking to him the next day, and he is telling us about this ruptured tendon in his wrist. So it happened the night before August 8th, and a lot of us are looking at each other saying, wait, he just said he has a ruptured tendon in his wrist, but he says he's not feeling any pain, he's feeling fine, he'll go to New York to see a doctor just to make sure that everything is, is good. But, like, how do you explain this, Bryce, that, that he has this ruptured tendon in his wrist, yet he's well, I, fine in yeah, many ways. It, as good as he's been all year, Bryce, if you look at his numbers the last, I don't know, two and a half, three weeks since he's been back in the lineup, even better than before. So he is better with this ruptured tendon in his wrist. Yeah, and the, and the, the enormous hot streak that he went on those nine or ten days uh, where he had the two, three home run uh, games uh, in that span – he had the partially torn tendon, which you could tell once in a while when he took a hard or awkward swing that he would wince and it would hurt. So if anything, now he's uh, better off. He's much better off than he was because he doesn't have the pain that he felt, which uh, makes that run that he was on the month prior crazy because he was in pain uh, when he was swinging. And yeah, I've got to be honest when he called that night and explained, uh, what happened with his wrist and you think torn tendon um, and um, you know, you, your mind goes to places like handmade bone injuries and wrist injuries that sap your power. And I was uh, concerned that it was a season ender and then it might linger uh, into the next year and affect his power. Um, And, you know, he, he, uh, then I talked to Thad and they wanted him to see a specialist and I thought, well, you know, getting more opinions is always great, but I didn't have, a, a real high level of optimism and then the next day he calls and says his wrist feels great and he's held a bat and he's kind of like done some like dry swings and stuff and I even thought that might be I thought wow that's aggressive you probably want to wait to see the doctor again before you start swinging a bat at your house mm-hmm. but um, yeah he goes out to New York he sees the, the doctor and they said you know you're better off for having this tendon torn you're going to it's not going to affect your power and it's going to feel much better because you won't have the partial tear uh, hurting while you're swinging. So, uh, you know, I, if anything, I guess in this case, it was, it, it seems counterintuitive, but the, the, the tear uh, helped uh, him, I guess, regain a pain-free swing, which has led to even better results now. Nelson is five home runs away from 400 for his career. Bryce, how important is that milestone to him? Very important, and it's important for him to reach it this year. Uh, He had talked about that in the offseason, and uh, I was excited that he had the goal of hitting 
40 and 400, uh, they're also a little nervous for him that, you know, I, you know, you're setting a, a rather high benchmark for yourself. Um, but it, it looks like despite missing two chunks of time, um, if he stays on this uh, trajectory, knock on wood, he'll be able to reach it, which will be an incredible feat, especially considering that he his career really didn't get start ro- didn't start rolling until his late twenties. Bryce Dixon, agent for Nelson Cruz. Thank you so much for doing this. Thanks for having me. Bryce Dixon, the agent for Nelson Cruz. How about Nelson buying NFL jerseys for all the September call-ups or the guys that didn't have jerseys? So when they flew from Detroit to Boston the other day, part of the theme, or I guess the theme itself was, hey, everybody needs to dress in their favorite NFL jersey for the flight and checking into the hotel. Well, some of the guys joined the team in Detroit weren't aware of those plans, so Nelson sent out a clubhouse guy, gave him a bunch of money, and said, hey, buy them jerseys. I'm just telling you. I mean, you talk to anybody with the Twins, they will tell you how great of a leader Nelson Cruz is. The Twins, on their way to the playoffs, hey, I don't even care if the Indians somehow sweep the series this weekend. It is over. It's more about who will the Twins open up against. Will it be the Yankees or the Astros? Game one, that first Friday in October, it looks like the first target field playoff game will be that Monday after the Vikings-Giants game, that first Monday in October. What is that, like October 6th, October 7th, whatever that Monday is. Games one and two, that Friday, Saturday, Sunday at Travel Day. Game three at Target Field. I'm telling you, all we're wondering about is who will they open up against? Will it be New York or will it be Houston? When we come back, we are going to catch up with Mike Tice, former Vikings coach. We'll talk all things NFL with one of my favorites. Stay with us. It's second segment time of the Scoop Podcast right here on Score North, 1500 AM. We'll get to former Vikings coach Mike Tice in just a second, but a few notes, including on the Vikings. In fact, I think I'll go a few Vikings notes, get to Mike Tice, then finish this segment with some other notes. Then next segment, we'll get to Adam Thielen of the Vikings. So lots of Vikings coverage. Hey, why not? It's opening week. Lots of Vikings coverage this 6 o'clock hour during the Scoop Podcast here on Score North. All right, where to begin? Brian Body Calhoun, the former Gophers corner. Back, I'm told. Visited the Vikings today. In my opinion, it's when not if Body Calhoun is back on an NFL roster. Josh Jones, the former Packer safety, also visiting the Vikings today. ESPN Green Bay was the first to report of Jones's visit. Avion Collins is back on the Vikings practice squad. I'm told the Vikings are giving him. $15,000 a week. Most practice squad guys sign for $8,000 a week. So the Vikings go almost double to retain the services of a tackle they like a lot, Avion Collins. The new punter Colquitt signed a one-year deal. The numbers are out. It's for the vet minimum. Docs and the new receiver, those numbers are out as well. They're filed. That is also a one-year deal for the minimum. One thing to keep an eye on Sunday. Now, hey, if Atlanta goes up two scores early, the game plan in some respects goes out the window. But I did here that the Vikings plan to emphasize the screen game and not just to the running backs. I mean, clearly Dalvin Cook is part of that. In fact, we saw that even at times last year. Remember week two at Green Bay, he had a nice gain on a screen pass, but also to the tight ends. Now, Tyler Conklin is listed as questionable. My intel points to him playing on Sunday. Same for Stephon Diggs, who's listed as questionable, but whether it's Kyle Rudolph, Tyler Conklin, Irv Smith Jr., I think the tight ends will also be involved in the screen game. Without further ado, let's get to former Vikings head coach Mike Tice. All right, Mike, thanks for doing this. All right, what is it? Is it 36 years player, coach, you in the National Football League now? What is it, year two of of retirement or at least not working directly in the NFL? I mean, I guess, Mike, has, has retirement fully hit you? Yeah, well... 
Doogie, good to hear your voice. Uh, 35 years um, in the league, a player and coach, and uh, was very fortunate. Uh, worked with a lot of great players and, and a lot of great coaches. Uh, last year was the first year out. We, we Our last stop, Di and I, was in uh, Oakland. And last year was rough. I, I really didn't follow football too much. I think mentally I was boycotting it. Uh, this year, uh, I am really fired up about the football season fired up to follow a bunch of teams, to follow a bunch of friends that are still in the league. And so uh, retirement's good, though. Who are some of those friends? Who are some of the teams that you'll be locked in on? Well, I just uh, finished doing a podcast uh, interview with uh, Bobby Johnson, who's the offensive line coach of the Buffalo Bills. Uh, Bob Babich, who's also on that staff, is a dear friend of ours, and his wife is a friend of Diane's, uh, my wife. So I'll be following the Bills. Uh, two coaches uh, on the Tennessee staff, Rob Moore, and, of course, our own uh, Minnesota boy, Todd Downing, is mm-hmm. on that staff coaching tight ends, so I'll follow Tennessee. Dirk Cutter is a dear friend of mine, and he is the offensive coordinator for the second time around at the Falcons. We worked together twice. We worked together in Jacksonville and also at Atlanta. When I was at Atlanta for one year at Mike Smith, head coach Mike Smith, I'm also obviously a, a large, big, not only in stature, but big Minnesota Vikings supporter. Kenley Pola is on that staff. He's running back coach. We worked mm-hmm. together in Jacksonville. I'll be following. Whether Kenley was on the staff or not, I'm going to follow the Vikings. Uh, Seahawks, Ken Norton Jr. and I worked together at Oakland, and uh, assistant D-line coach Jethro Franklin is uh, in with the Seahawks, and that is the other team that I follow closely if, because I played for the Seahawks under Chuck Knox for 10 years back in the 80s. So there's some of the teams that uh, that uh, I'm following and following closely and also have a chance to get some talent on my show because I know those guys, I know the guys on the staff and I can ask them for an interview without having to, without having to go through PR. <laughs> yeah, and you know what sort of pain in the butt some of those PR guys are. On on Dirk Cutter, I mean, okay, so he was on your podcast a couple weeks ago, and it's on my on my to-do list. I need to listen to, to that conversation, especially before before Sunday's kickoff. But I guess when previewing Vikings-Falcons, how the Vikings defense matches up against Cutter's offense, I mean, how do you, how do you handicap that matchup? Well, I know that uh, I feel like following, you know, following Dirk and the Falcons, they're going to be a very explosive unit. Uh, they're going to, uh, again, there's a lot of familiarity between the two teams, a lot of similarity between the two, two teams because they both run the same exact zone running game. And uh, that was installed by Kyle Shanahan when he was at Atlanta. And Dirk kept the same offense there to make the transition to a new coordinator uh, much easier for the players. So you're going to see, the fans are going to see a lot of similarities in the run game and the hard play action. I think they're very explosive at the wide receiver uh, position. I know that Julio Jones did an interview yesterday and really didn't come out and say whether he'd play or not uh, without a contract extension. So that could be good for the Vikings fans. Uh, because he is one of the best uh, receivers in the league. Uh, They have a good tight end. Uh, I think the Vikings have a good tight end. Uh, But we'll we'll see. You know, this this style offense, the one thing that I uh, am always concerned about this offense and watching it back from the uh, Shanahan days in Denver uh, with Alex Gibbs, who is kind of really the the guy that got that zone running game going in the the league, is – 
when they got to drop back and throw the ball, uh, the pass protection, uh, when it's not play action, is a little, to me, a little suspect. So I'm anxious to see which team of the Falcons and the Vikings offensively uh, is able to drop back and throw the ball and protect the quarterback. How hard is it for a rookie to start his first game along the offensive line? I mean, I guess I'm looking at Atlanta's offensive line. They have the Lindstrom kid who the Vikings thought the world of. He went a couple picks before the Vikings took Garrett Bradbury, but he's a starter at guard. And then at right tackle, it's the kid from Washington. Is it McGarry? He's dealt with some health issues. He did practice this week. So, I don't know, it's a little bit up in the air, but he may end up starting. So they may have two starters that are rookies along that offensive line. How challenging is that? It's very challenging, and again, it's a lot easier to be a rookie starting in the league if your offense is uh, a run offense, say like the Seahawks, who were number one in the league in rushing last year. They're going to run the ball, pound the ball, run the ball, pound the ball, and that play action helps with pass protection. So it's not going to be a totally undoable thing for rookies to start if they're staying ahead of the chains and they're staying efficient in the run game, getting that four yards on first down, half on second, and now they don't get themselves into those third and longs. But if they can't run the ball efficiently and they have to drop back and throw the ball, then I think there could be some challenges for those young guys. You brought up Julio Jones's name. I mean, I think I think he plays, Mike. I, I would be I'd be shocked if he doesn't end up playing. I think they, in fact, get the contract extension done before before kickoff Sunday. But on Julio, does he does he remind you of Randy Moss a little bit? You know, they're they're not athletically the same athlete. Uh, I've I've been fortunate to be around both uh, Randy a lot more, uh, Julio just for the one year. Uh, Julio's a big physical specimen, physical, uh, and Randy was just the most special athlete that I've I've been around. I mean, Randy is, heck, I mean, Randy's incomparable, right? Like, there isn't there isn't such a thing, I guess. I mean, I guess idiotic for me to even make the comparison because in many ways, there really isn't a comp to Randy Moss. Is that fair to say? Yeah, it, well, he's, like I said, he uh, was the best athlete that I can ever remember being around in, in my 35-year career because he could do it all. He could jump he could run. He had great hand-eye coordination. He was smart. He was. He had tremendous agility, quickness. Um, Julio's a big, fast, strong, uh, kind of a, a wide receiver and a tight end body wide receiver. We're talking with Mike Tice. Mike, are you are you a fan of Kirk Cousins? I am, and uh, let me tell you why. Because, Kirk, uh, one of the things that kind of gets left out there, I haven't heard much talk about it, is one of the best things that Kirk Cousins has done in his career, and mostly in Washington, he only had the one year in Minnesota, is he can throw a really good deep ball. Mm-hmm. And with this offense that uh, the uh, Vikings have installed, this uh, zone scheme, hard play action offense, he's going to get a chance to have some receivers get behind coverage when they come up to stop the run. And I'm anxious to see him really unleash some deep balls and and uh, show the fans what is one of his best attributes. Do you think back, Mike, as we continue the Vikings theme, do you ever think back and say, you know, I guess what if? Like, I just think about I was just there the other day, right? I mean, they have the Taj Mahal of 
of practice facilities. I'm thinking back to your days as as head coach. You know, you have Steve Loney, and, and God bless Steve, right? But he's your offensive coordinator and your offensive line coach. Mike Zimmer has an unlimited budget when it comes to, to his coaching staff. I mean, they have every amenity they want out there. Do you ever think about what if, like, what could have happened here with you as head coach if, if you had every luxury that they now have out there? No, I really don't. I just know that I'm proud of being 32 and 32 with what we had, uh, the smallest staff, the lowest paid staff. Uh, I remember coming out of training camp one time and the air condition broke in the locker room and we had a pump in uh, portable air condition that the kids or the players had to step over this big tube or hose to come into the locker room. I remember <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, welcome to the NFL. Uh, no, we're just proud of what we were able to accomplish and uh, and winning the playoff game in Green Bay when nobody thought we had a chance and a lot of fond memories and, and more importantly, a lot of great friends that I still have in, in Minnesota, not only in the community, but also still with the uh, Minnesota Vikings. What stood out last night about the Packers-Bears game to you? Horrible pass protection, uh, five sacks by both teams, um, you know, it's hard. Uh, I know the, the emphasis is uh, emphasis in the league now is on not getting anybody hurt and getting everybody to uh, the season healthy, but it's like uh, I think the fans know I really follow horse racing. It's like running a short horse. When your horse isn't has doesn't have a great bottom under it and it doesn't uh, it hasn't been trained hard. Uh, it takes time for the horse to get fit and get ready for uh, a great effort in a race. And I think not playing the players uh, a lot in the preseason, especially the skilled players, uh, the timing is not there, and it's going to take time. And uh, I made some comments on some of my earlier shows about the teams I was follow, I were following, and looking at the stats to see who was actually playing their quarterbacks. And you know, I did notice that uh, New England. In that third preseason game, when a lot of teams didn't play their starting quarterbacks, uh, played Brady, and mm-hmm. he played for a quarter and a half. And uh, I noticed that Atlanta was playing uh, Matt Ryan, and uh, you know, and I think it's important that uh, to get the timing down. These guys have got to play. What is that balance, though? I mean, that is a slippery slope. Like, what did you do when when you were the head coach, even going back a number of years? Because you know this. Could you imagine the grief, the amount of you know what you would take if if one of your key players went down in a preseason game? Well, times were different back then, and so it's it's a different era. It's a different time to compare that and or to compare that to even when I was playing when you had uh, so many guys uh, practicing in full pads, you know, twice a day. Uh, times have changed, and uh, I don't think you can compare it when I was a head coach to what a head coach nowadays has to balance and what he has to Know, decide is the best for his football team. Does that bother you? I mean, that that players seemingly are are more coddled than ever. Maybe are even you know harder to coach now than than ever before. The only thing that bothers me is that I'm 60 and I'm not 26, making all that money they make. <laughs> That's the only thing that bothers me. Is damn, why am I so damn old? Uh, I I wish I was. 26 and uh, being paid like some of these blocking tight ends are being paid in the league. Well, the NFL pension is still pretty good, though, isn't it? For players, it's awful. And there's been a lot of articles written lately, and a really great article that came out by Hall of Famer Steve Largent. You should look it up. 
talking about the pre-93 players, which I am one of, uh, and the, what players I've been blessed. I have a great coaching pension. But what the players that the pre-93 players have to live on, you know, I've been very fortunate. Diane, I've been fortunate. But there's a lot of players out there my age, that pre-93 class, that are trying to get by with uh, not too much money. So, no, the pension isn't great for the older players. When will that change, I guess, and, and how will that change? Well, they're getting ready to do a new collective bargaining agreement. I know there's been a bunch of articles lately written. I know there's been a couple of groups formed that are trying to get in front of the uh, league and in front of the Players Association and make this a topic that's going to be addressed in the, uh, in the new negotiations. You have a few former teams, but I guess your most recent former team, you mentioned it, was, was the Oakland Raiders. Are you, are you following much of the drama out there in Oakland? <laughs> How could you not? It's good TV. It is fantastic uh, TV. So, uh, yeah, well, they announced Brown was going to play Monday night, so that just came out. So he is going to play. I guess he uh, apologized to the team. And so uh, it's it's hard. I was just talking to uh, somebody about this. It's hard when you have a player with that kind of talent that has uh, caused some type of distraction for the team. Uh, and it's hard unless he does something really, really detrimental to the organization to not play him. It's a bad precedent, though, isn't it, Mike, that that he ends up getting into it with allegedly, I guess we don't know this for sure, it's unfortunate that the Hard Knocks cameras aren't still there, but he allegedly got into it with GM Mike Mayock. He misses practice earlier in the week, yet they are now saying, because he apologized, that he gets to play. Shouldn't there be some sort of discipline, even if it's a one-game suspension? I don't run that team, so I have no comment on that. I, they know, Coach Gruden, John knows, how, and the Mikes know how they have to handle things. Uh, they're there. I'm just watching like you and, and looking at Twitter and following the tweets, and uh, I don't have any comment on that. Did you ever think there'd be a day, Mike, that you'd be you'd be so aggressive on social media? Well, you know, I've only been – I just checked my account yesterday. I've only been tweeting since July. I, I've, I've misspelled some things. I've had some bad grammar, according to my son, Nate. So I'm trying to get better at it. I put a few video tweets out in the last couple of weeks. They seem to get some traction. So I'm just going to try to get better at it. I'm trying to stay positive. I did make a comment last night about, uh, you know, wasn't wasn't so happy about the flags and, and uh, everything now is uh, – is, uh, you know, don't get hurt, don't get hurt. So now there's so much non-contact going on. I made a comment about that, and I got yelled at by my son, Nate, for being negative. So (laughs) I'm going to try to stay positive. It's hard to do sometimes when you're watching some bad football. But, uh, no, I'm enjoying it and uh, seem to getting some good responses. For people that want to follow you, Mike, what is is your Twitter handle? My Twitter handle is at... Odds and the letter N, and then E N D S pod. So it's at you know the at signal. Mm-hmm. You uh, odds and ends pod. That's my Twitter handle. And oftentimes you publicize the the podcast that you do. So in the, the podcast, yeah. Mike is it's available just about anywhere people can track down podcasts. Well, what where we're at right now, we we're, my son Nate again has been helping me. Put this thing out. I don't have a staff. I know you told me I need to hire a producer, but I need a sponsor before I can hire a we'll producer. We'll get you one, Michael. <laughs> and so, uh, dude, by uh, Apple, Spotify, Google, and SoundCloud is what you can uh, get the podcast on right now. 
Very nice. And I'll leave you with this, Mike. Any any other games besides Vikings-Falcons that you're looking forward to Sunday? Or I guess there's a couple games Monday as well? Yeah, there really are. There's some good games. I uh, I have my eye on that uh, Rams and uh, Carolina game. I think that's going to be another key game, another really good game to watch. Two really good football teams. Uh, I like both of those teams this year. And Kansas City on the road in Jacksonville, I, I know early on – Kansas City uh, was everybody was talking about Kansas City. This is going to be an easy one, but lately in the last few days, uh, Jacksonville's gotten a little traction. So that's going to be an interesting game. And I, I know I, I like Kansas City in that game, though. And then uh, and I think both Monday night games are, are going to be fun to watch. And the Sunday night game, the uh, Pittsburgh and New England game, and the Houston and New Orleans. I think there's a lot of different opinions out there on that Houston and New Orleans game because mm-hmm. New Orleans usually starts slow. But I think Houston has some uh, offensive line issues right now. Mike, your information is gold. Thank you for doing this. My pleasure, Duke, and thanks for having me on, and good luck with your podcast. The one, the only, fellow podcast host, former Vikings head coach, Mike Tice. We'll have to get Mike on again sometime in the coming weeks or after maybe the quarter point of the season or the halfway point of the season. Mike is definitely gold. He's always been gold. He's always been a money soundbite, and he continues to be one, even more so, now that he's a podcast host slash analyst. All right, a few other notes before we get to Adam Thielen of the Vikings. There's still some loose chatter about the Wolves adding a point guard. Nothing specific, but I wouldn't be surprised if they bring in a guy or two for a workout in the coming weeks. They signed the former Iowa State Cyclone Wigginton to an Exhibit 10 deal. What that means is essentially he'll he'll play for the Iowa Wolves. He'll be on their G League affiliate. On the Wolves, also former executive Rob Babcock, who passed away sadly earlier this year, lost his battle with Cam. Rob was tremendous. Rob was a great, great person. This weekend at one of the limited partners' houses, a bunch of Wolves people that know Rob. Glenn Taylor had a relationship with Rob. Ryan Saunders knew Rob. Others with the Wolves. I know that they were going to celebrate Rob's life at one of the limited partners' houses this weekend. On the Wild, we were at Braemar Arena earlier this week for an informal skate with a bunch of Wild players including Miko Koivu. Bruce Boudreaux was there watching. What stood out about Koivu, I saw the video, we had the video in one of our Channel 5 sportscasts this week, and even Boudreaux made this point off camera to us that there really were no noticeable issues with his stride. That just now, what, seven months removed from ACL surgery, Miko looks good. The next step is absorbing a lot of contact, so they will take it easy when training camp starts late next week, but Miko Koivu doing very well, seven months removed from ACL surgery. Carter Coughlin should be good to go tomorrow night. Gophers at Fresno State. He's dealing with a minor groin injury, but at this point, there's no sense that it will keep him from playing. It'll be nice to have Kamal Martin back. Kamal Martin is an NFL player, Burnsville native, former Burnsville high school quarterback. He served a suspension last week. They missed him at the linebacker position, so Kamal Martin back tomorrow. Jake Gardner, I guess I'm bouncing all over the place, the former Minnetonka high school star, signed a contract today with the Carolina Hurricanes. It's a four-year deal worth just over $16 million. All right, let's get to Adam Thielen next. Stay with us. It is the Scoop Podcast right here on Score North. Welcome back, everyone. Final segment time, at least here on Score North. It is the Scoop Podcast on this Friday night, the 6th of September. If you're on your way to the Twins-Indians game tonight, have a good time. Enjoy. I still wonder, can the Twins catch the Astros or Yankees? Or, heck, because the Twins are so good on the road, are the Twins better off opening on the road? And really, doesn't matter when talking about those two Goliaths. Who would you rather play in the first round of the playoffs? The Yankees or the Astros? Call me nuts. I'm in the Yankees category. I say avoid Justin Verlander and Garrett. 
Garrett Cole in games one and two at all costs, even though the Astros have some injury issues. Heck, the Yankees have had injury issues all year. How many guys have they put on the injured list? I mean, I think it's like approaching 30 or something like that. It's like a major league record for the amount of times the Yankees have used the injured list. So that's part of the game, but it's been an unbelievable year in terms of health issues for the New York Yankees. Yet right now, they still maintain the best record in the American League. All right, let's continue the NFL dialogue. Let's catch up now with Adam Thielen of the Vikings. But before we do, let me tell you a little bit about Hope Fieldhouse. Hope Fieldhouse keeps the Scoop podcast going. Hope Fieldhouse is all about helping athletes with disabilities because they are not being given the opportunities they deserve. Thankfully, Hope Fieldhouse is doing something about that. The Hope Fieldhouse Athletic Facility here in the Twin Cities metropolitan area will make sure everyone has a place to play. But first, they need our help. Please donate to the development of our athletes with disabilities with a tax-deductible donation at hopefieldhouse.org. Hopefieldhouse.org. Let me give you an example. The Dakota Hawks win all sorts of adapted hockey state championships. The Dakota Hawks do not have a place that they can call their home. Hope Fieldhouse will be the home for the Dakota Hawks. That is just one of many examples I could cite. I'm telling you, this is a much-needed project. You'll be helping a great cause. And any donation of $50 or more gives you a chance to meet Vikings fullback and Hope Fieldhouse supporter C.J. Ham. It's C.J. Ham. It's Kirk Cousins. Many Vikings are on board with helping out Hope Fieldhouse. Another charitable member of the Vikings is Adam Thielen. Let's get to Adam right now. Adam, always good to catch up. All right, I could start any number of places, and I promise we'll get to your event coming up on the 23rd at Top Golf. But let me start here. So... Um, in the shower this morning, not exactly a, a great visual, but my five-year-old gets dressed in the meantime. Thankfully, he's independent, so he gets dressed. I get out of the shower. He's wearing your jersey, your Vikings jersey, not your not your high school jersey or your college jersey. Anyway, not just on my son, but Adam, does it still blow you away? I mean, think about all across many offices here in Minnesota today, all across many schools. There are people that wear your jersey. Does that still just blow you away? Yeah, I mean, I think I think when I look back at it when I'm done playing, it, it'll be something that uh, kind of blows me away. But uh, right now when I'm playing, you know, I, I don't even really think about it. Um, obviously, you see him and things like that, but uh, uh, don't really think about it too much. Just trying to make sure that I'm going to control what I'm what I can control and uh, taking care of my business to, to try to be uh, the best help to help the team win games. All right, as we look ahead to Sunday, I mean, everybody was on the practice field today. You feel like everybody is ready to rock and roll? Yeah, you know, Fridays are always a good day. Uh, we call them Fast Fridays to fly around, uh, you know, make sure that you get another look at, um, you know, some of the plays that you put in and installed for this week. And um, I think we're just excited to get out there and play some ball, you know, now that we're finished with the preparation um, as far as practicing. Uh, we're just excited to get back out there and, and actually play a full game. You know, we haven't done that in a long time, so – um, it'll be exciting. Uh, we got to make sure that we handle our emotions and, and, and just uh, don't come out uh, uh, full steam and, and waste all of our energy right away. But uh, it, it'll be fun, and, and the atmosphere should be great. On those plays being installed, I mean, in general terms, I mean, is it safe to presume that we'll see some wrinkles? Um, yeah, I would think so. Um, you know, it, it's all stuff that we, we obviously have, have put in our playbook. Um, but, you know, obviously, just like every other team in the NFL, you have – um, you're not only showing your base stuff in preseason, so uh, just like just like they will have wrinkles, we'll have stuff too. But um, but it's it's nothing nothing crazy. It's it's just all stuff that's that's been in our playbook, but uh, hasn't been shown to the world. All right, on their cornerbacks, I mean, I guess what stands out on film as you watch? Who is it? It's Trufant. It's Oliver. Oliver making his first NFL start. And do those guys do they rotate sides? So I mean, presumably you'll be matched up against both on Sunday. 
Yeah, so they'll stay on their side. So, yes, we'll be against both, um, as, as we know. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think uh, the one thing that probably sticks out is their aggressiveness um, after the catch. Uh, they're going to come after you. They're going to tackle. Uh, they're going to come after the ball. Um, I think it's something that is probably the mindset of their entire defense, that they're going to uh, keep everybody in front of them, and when that ball is completed, they're going to come and they're going to go after the ball and, and uh, tackle as a, as a defense. So um, that's something that really sticks out about them. They, uh, they're very athletic and, and very aggressive. All right, on Oliver, though, okay, so he's making his first NFL start. Is there, is there enough film out there? Has he been around enough where, where you have a good sense of, of who he is as a player? Yeah, you know, I think, I think it's tough. Uh, anytime you, you go against um, somebody you haven't played against before, um, you can only see so much on film. You know, you really don't necessarily know what you're getting until you get on the field. And, and you start playing some of the games against the, uh, some of the snaps against them. But um, I think the one thing you see is he's a long guy um, that has a lot of makeup, uh, whether, whether he gets uh, a little separation against them or anything like that. Uh, he's a long guy that can, that can break up balls even with, uh, when he's not in perfect position all the time. How unique is this week in the start of, of the season when compared to, what, about the, the last five months or so, you're all about just, you know, individual work and getting better as an individual, but now things ramp up, you're preparing for a legit opponent. Heck, the locker room is down from, what, 90 players to, to 63 players, I guess, if we include the practice squad. Just, you know, how much, how much do things change this week compared to the last five months? Um, you know, honestly, not a whole lot. Um, but, you know, we're still kind of um... – uh, waiting to get in the rhythm of a season. Um, you know, normally you have three days to prepare for a team, three practices, um, where for this, you know, you have five, six, seven, eight maybe practices that you're kind of preparing for this team uh, because we don't play in the last preseason game. So um, it's definitely a little bit different, um, but, but it's, it's exciting as well. You know, we're excited to just be done practicing against our own guys and competing and, and actually playing together as a team. How much is your relationship, I mean, I guess compared to this time last year, as you guys were heading into that opener last year against San Francisco, compared to now, how much has your relationship with, with Cousins evolved? Yeah, I don't think it's necessarily a relationship. I think it's more of um, understanding each other's games. Um, I think you can say that about the entire receiving core because uh, we understand him a lot better and, and how he's going to throw different things, um, how he wants certain things ran, and, and, and uh, what he's looking for in routes. And vice versa, I think he understands uh, what we do really well. He understands where we're going to be coming out of breaks. And uh, that stuff just takes time. It takes repetition. It takes mistakes. It takes uh, real live game situations to, to really come up to be able to get on the same page in those things. So uh, the more experience you have with the, the same guy, the better. Does he seem like, though, he's, he's of a different mindset with the new offense? I mean, just, does he seem like a different guy right now? You know, he's, he's always has, has the same mindset. He's a guy that's going to prepare. He's a guy who's going to be competitive and, and want to win and do whatever it takes to win. But, yeah, I think, he's, I think this is uh, a system that fits him a lot better, and I think he's expressed that, um, and, and uh, you see it. So we're excited to get out there on the field. Uh, obviously, we, obviously, we have a long ways to go uh, because we all haven't been in the system before. But um, I think uh, we're excited to be able to show what we can do and show that we've been working and taking advantage of, of the reps that we've gotten in this offense. What is the secret to, to being durable? I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but, but Adam, you've never missed a game your entire NFL career. What are some of the keys to, to always being available? I think uh, the biggest thing, well, you've got to have a lot of luck, number one. Uh, and number two, I think you have to be willing to play through some pain. Um, you're not going to feel 100% every single game. And especially uh, after week one, you're not going to feel 
uh, good again until until the season's over. So um, I think it's just being willing uh, to be able to play with a little pain as long as it doesn't um, affect your long-term health, obviously. And um, that that's where it comes down to being a little lucky as well. I mean, is there also an art form, too, to like when you're being tackled to go down a certain way or even just contort your body a certain way if you see a safety coming over ready to lay a hit on you? I think there's a little bit of, of how you kind of come back to the ball, um, how you can take big hits off you. Sometimes you can't really control that. you got to go catch the ball. And um, if the ball is, is – if you're led into a defender, that's, that's just part of the job. Um, but like I said, sometimes you can come back to the ball or things like that. Or, or if there's a lot of guys around you, sometimes you just got to get down, which uh, is, is hard to do as a young player. But um, the more you're on this league, like, you're not going to get a huge gain when you have three guys trying to tackle you. So – um, sometimes it's understanding that, but again, it just sometimes it just comes down to luck, and, and some guys just get unlucky, and um, it, it's a bummer because uh, they're doing the same things that the rest of us are doing to try to stay healthy as well. Stefan Diggs listed as questionable, but was able to practice today. I mean, any doubt in your mind, Adam, that that Stefan will be out there on Sunday? You know, that's that's really not uh, under my control, and, and for me, I'm just trying to keep the pressure on for and uh, trying to do whatever I can to help this team win. Obviously. We'd love to have him out there, and, and he's such an important piece of our offense. But um, really, it's not my call, and, and, and I don't know how he's feeling. So um, we'll see. And I'm, I'm just hoping that he's out there because uh, he's such an important part of our offense. When talking about your role, I mean, do you have a sense of, of how your role will be different in this offense? I mean, all the talk about wanting to run the ball more, you know, emphasize the screen game, utilize the tight ends more. Do you have a sense of, of how your role will evolve in this new offense? No, I don't. Uh, we'll find out. Um, you really don't know in this league. Um, you, you know what your system is, but you don't really know your identity and, and what the what the coaching staff is trying to get done until you start playing games and you start getting in a flow and understanding how they're going to call uh, you know plays in certain situations and uh, how they're going to try to move you around and try to give you the ball. So, um, you know, I, I really don't know. Um, for me, I'm just going to uh, run the play that's called and uh, control what I can control and play hard and, and see what happens. All right, you, your wife, your foundation continue to do great work. The next great event is is what? It's at Top Golf on on September twenty third. I think that's the what the Monday after after the Raiders game. Yes, it is. Yeah, we're super excited about it. Uh, we did do an event there last year um, later in the season, and it went really well. We had a little bit of time to prepare for that, so um, after that, we kind of just wanted to blow it up and then rent the entire space. And so we're trying to fill it up. Um, we're trying to get as many people there. It's a really fun time. We're going to have a bunch of teammates there uh, playing golf with the, with uh, with all the guests. So uh, it should be a really great time. We're super excited, and, and uh, you know, it, it should be uh, a great opportunity for us to kind of tell our story of, of why and, and what we're doing and uh, why we're kind of doing these events to raise money to, to really help this community and, and other communities that need help. All right, so for people that want to get involved, Adam, what's, what's the best route? How can they find information? Yeah, SeelandFoundation.org, and uh, you can go on there and you can find all the information about our upcoming events um, and uh, also our social media challenge under the Seelan Foundation. Um, you can find out uh, what's going on and uh, what's next and uh, kind of how we're uh, trying to help the community. Whether it's that event, Adam, or heck, I mean, even on Tuesday, you're over at the U of M Children's Hospital doing that that press conference with a few other few other athletes. I mean, I guess just overall, I mean, like even on Tuesday, like do you get more joy from doing that? Or, I mean, clearly the patience, I mean, the smiles, I saw the video. I mean, all those kids, I mean, their faces were just lit up. But I just I get a sense, Adam, from knowing you a little bit that, that you might even get more joy from doing things like that than those that benefit. 
I do, yeah. I think it just helps uh, keep my, my focus, my mindset. Um, it, it really helps me understand how uh, grateful, um, how gracious I, I should be because uh, God's blessed uh, my family and I so much. And um, it, it's just, especially when you have kids, you just really understand that, um, you know, you can't take anything for granted and uh, you have to uh, take every day and uh, make the most of it uh, because uh, there's just so much pain and, and struggle in this world. And um, so you just have to make sure you count your blessings and, and understand how blessed you are and how fortunate you are for the, for the good things, not always focus on the negative things. When you talk about having kids, I'll leave you after this, Adam, but, but how, has, how has fatherhood changed you? Yeah, you know, it's changed me a lot. Um, and still working on, on things and, and still learning things and, and that has uh, changed me and my outlook. And, um, you know, I think it's just uh, so cool to be a part of someone's life and to be able to help shape them, uh, help them uh, learn from your mistakes. I probably is probably one of the things I'm looking for most forward to as a parent is uh, when they're older uh, and I can kind of help them not make the same mistakes and hopefully learn from them and so they don't have to go through some of those things to uh, um, to learn how to uh, deal with it or learn how to avoid those situations. So um, that's probably the, the thing that's changing the most and uh, hopefully I can continue to, uh, you know, help them when they're in uh, tough times and, and help them know that uh, everyone's going through something and, and uh, you have to make sure you're fighting, fighting every day and uh, moving forward. Adam, thank you. We'll see you on Sunday at the stadium. All right. I appreciate it. Take care. September 23rd. For more information on how to take part in the event at Top Golf, the Adam Thielen Foundation, go to the Adam Thielen Foundation website. I'm telling you, and the beauty of, of Adam is he loves to interact with fans. I mean, I've seen it enough. I mean, over the years, doing enough stuff with him. He's now been with the Vikings now, what, seven years. So we've done enough charity events where Adam is there, and he interacts. It's not like he's an introvert. I mean, he likes interacting with with fans, and he said a bunch of his teammates will be there as well. It's the day after the Raiders game, Top Golf in Brooklyn Park. So go to the Adam Thielen Foundation website if you want to take part in that charity event. That does it. We are done on this Friday night. This has been Scoop Podcast episode 253. Bonus Scoop Podcast episode 253. This is for the podcast only. We have a time limit when it comes to the 6 o'clock hour on radio. So I had some leftover Vikings material, interviews from my time in the locker room all week long. So I wanted to place those on this podcast. So this is the best route to do that. Let's begin with safety, Harrison Smith. After the grind of... Well, off-season workouts and OTAs into minicamp, break, training camp, four preseason games. Do you feel good about where this team is heading into week one? Yeah, you know, um, we put in the work in and, uh, you know, still trying to tighten up before the game. Um, week ones are always interesting, you know. There's uh, not a ton of games to go off of, so uh, just got to be confident in, in what we're doing. You guys have had success, though. I mean, you've played in a lot of week ones and won a lot of week ones. Anything you can pinpoint as to why? Uh, preparation, you know, like I said, focusing on us. Uh, at the end of the day, that's always the most important thing. For this year to be a success, what needs to happen? Uh, Got to win a lot of games. <laughs> uh, you know, play good defense, control the ball, take care of the ball. You know? I mean, is there a sense that this team can be like the team we saw two years ago and not so much the team last year? Uh, I don't know. It's up to you guys. You know, we're just going to go put something on tape. You've had success against Matt Ryan before. What what stands out when when you prepare for Matt Ryan? Yeah, I mean he's uh you know he's one of the best. He's a smart guy, big arm, um, got a lot of playmakers outside in the backfield, tight end. So they got a lot of weapons, and he he knows exactly how to give them the ball. Yeah, I mean just a little bit more in those playmakers. I mean from Julio on down, it's a bunch. Yeah, um, you know, starting with him, 
and you got Sanu, you got Ridley, um, Freeman, Hooper. You know, they're all over the place. What makes Julio so good? Everything. Big, strong, fast, great hands. He's a competitor. Um, I've seen clips of him running down people after interceptions, sitting like, you know, Sean Taylor. So he's, he's a football player. Soft-spoken Harrison Smith plays the complete opposite on Sundays. One of the best safeties, if not the best safety in the entire NFL. Let's transition to the safety opposite Harrison Smith. It is Anthony Harris. How much do things change? I mean, you know, OTAs into minicamp, into training camp. I mean, you're always about, what, just getting better, right? Mm -hmm. But now things change this week when you're preparing for an actual opponent. So just, I guess, how much do things change this particular week? Um, I think, you know, it changes a little bit. You know, obviously there's certain things you want to work on getting better at each day, which is the technique stuff. Um, but now that, you know, we're getting into the season and we get into game planning, um, the things that you want to work on getting better at is just assignments, knowing the assignments, um, executing them consistently. So for us, it's just about, you know, getting on the film, getting on the tape, um, studying them, knowing what we want to do um, in each phase of the, um, up with the team and then executing it in practice and, and kind of cutting out those errors. That way we can be a fine-tuned machine when we go to play on Sunday. Where are you from a confidence level standpoint, maybe compared to week one last year? I feel good. I feel good. Um, you know, it's my fifth year going into the season. Um, had the opportunity to work with the ones a lot uh, leading up to this point. Um, the coaches have been, you know, standing around behind me right right and just giving me, you know, all the tools and all the green lights to go out there and play and play fast. So it's helped a lot. What makes Matt Ryan so good? He's a veteran guy. He's a veteran guy. He's tall in stature, strong arms, um, seen a lot of defenses. He's got a good offensive line and a lot of good pieces around him. Yeah, I mean, on those pieces, I mean, Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, Sanu, Freeman, what, the tight end's pretty good too. I mean, they got a lot of guys. Yeah, they got a lot of weapons. Um, so, you know, it's going to be a full um, team effort to go out there and, you know, compete each play. Um, you know, we got to take care of the run up front and then take care of things on the back end and tackle well. Is Calvin Ridley maybe sort of forgotten just in the mix of because Julio Jones is so good, but you look at Ridley's stats last year and his production even going back to Alabama, he's one heck of a player. Yeah, I mean, you know, um, you know, Julio gets he gets a lot of accolades, which is well deserved. Um, but when you cut on the film, you know, those guys that pop out at you, you know, really can take the top off, makes a lot of good plays. They have Sanu and Salat who can, you know, make some some good plays for him as well. So they have a lot of weapons. Um, I think when you cut on the film, you know, it's hard to kind of overlook um, all the talent they have. From defense to offense, let's catch up now with second-year tight end. It is Tyler Conklin. What's your excitement level just to finally get this season going? Oh, I'm extremely excited. I think everybody here is really excited. Um, obviously, OTAs and training camp, it, um, it's a long process, but it's a process we needed. And um, we've came in here and, and worked nonstop, nonstop since then. And uh, I'm just, I think we're all really excited to, to put it out there. Um, and show everybody what we've been working on. All right. Well, what have you been working on? What what makes you so excited? Um, I just think the way that we've been playing together and growing together, offensively and defensively. Um, I know a lot's changed with the way our offense looks, and um, I think everybody's really excited about that. And um, I mean, we've always had a really good defense, so I think they're excited to um, just keep building on that and doing what they do so well. How about your role? I mean, we talk about the new offense. How about you specifically? How is your role different this year compared to last year? Well, I definitely think tight ends are a little more, we're, we're used in different ways in this offense and used more frequently in this offense. Uh, personally, I think all, our whole tight end room is extremely good. Um, we can do everything from block, catch the ball. I mean, we do everything that tight ends need to do. So um, I'm excited for all of us. Um, 
and I'm just excited for to see what we can do as a group out there on, on Sunday. Is there an excitement with the screen game? I mean, we always hear about Davin Cook in the screen game, but what about you? What about Kyle in the screen game? Um, yeah, that's definitely going to be exciting too. I mean, a lot of the stuff we have for tight ends is going to be stuff I feel like we didn't do last year at least. Um, so I'm just excited for the tight ends to be able to show a lot more than we have. Is there just an excitement too that it's year two? I mean, you know, just year one, there's just so much coming at you. And now there's a comfort level, right? 100%. Year one was definitely, um, I mean, I was kind of beat up with a hamstring and um, just kind of being a, a tough year with transitions. I mean, being in a new place, new coaches, new teammates, trying to be a grown up, you know, pay bills, find a place to live, all that stuff. Um, that's the stuff people kind of forget about um, when you're a rookie. So I think that was really the hardest part of that. So to be able to come in here and have familiar faces and kind of understand the way things work, I definitely made year two a lot better so far. Leave you with this. How excited are you for Brandon? I mean, the longest of long shots, right? And now he's in your tight end room. Yeah. Um, honestly, you just gave me chills saying that. I mean, I'm super excited for him. Um, I mean, just watching how many people go coming in and out of the locker room through a season, throughout training camp. And... Um, to have someone in your room that was a long shot like that, uh, bust his, his butt off training camp and all OTAs and improve his worth and, and not just make the, the practice squad, but to make the 53-man roster, uh, it's awesome. It just um, just goes to show um, what hard work and just kind of being a, a good teammate can really do for you. Um, he does all the right things, and uh, he's a great football player. Love that answer from Tyler Conklin. Brandon Dillon from small Marion University in Indianapolis, an NAIA school, signed as an undrafted free agent, fought through everything. He was the longest of long shots, yet Brandon is on the 53-man roster. Congratulations to Brandon Dillon. I actually talked to Brandon in the locker room as well this week. Didn't want to throw 12 interviews right here after interviewing Mike Tice about Sunday and some other topics. And Adam Thielen figured, hey, four interviews is probably a good cap during this podcast. But I can tell you that Brandon gave his agent a ton of credit. They had a few phone calls right after the draft. His agent did the homework, said, hey, I think Minnesota will give you the best opportunity to make the 53-man roster. His agent was spot on, so Brandon gives his agent all sorts of credit, said, hey, he never in a million years thought this would be possible. So he was still on cloud nine when I talked to him in the locker room on Wednesday. Another cool angle for Sunday, second-round pick, another tight end, Irv Smith Jr. So Irv told me in the locker room this week that his sister is engaged to a member of the Falcons, and I jotted down the name. I left it on my desk downstairs in the TV newsroom. Anyway, I'm sure you'll see that storyline come up at some point this weekend. And Irv said, hey, the player went to LSU, so he played against this guy, Alabama LSU. So it's not the first time they've been on the field together, but he said, hey, you know, it's hard for my sister. I mean, who does she root for? Does she root for her brother or for her fiance? So Irv Smith Jr.'s future brother-in-law plays for the Atlanta Falcons. I think he did say that he thinks his sister will root for him, but I don't know. That might be tough for the sister to not root for her fiance. All right, we are done. The longer version, the podcast only version of episode 253 recorded on this 6th of September Friday the 6th of September. So have a wonderful weekend, everyone. If you can, please support Hope Fieldhouse, hopefieldhouse.org.